This is an Area Code podcast. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. <clears throat> I got your back. I got your back. Oh my God, <laughs> I got I'll your try back. To, I'll try to edit you in some way at some point. <laughs> if I start mon- mono- mono- monologizing, monologuing, mono- whatever, don't tag me out. Don't join never. the scene. Never. I would never. Don't join you the can. scene. Let me self-edit. You found your light. You get to t- take it and keep it. If, the, if I do, if I want to do the third beat by myself, let me do the third beat by myself. <laughs> it's my SNL showcase right here. <laughs> yeah, if Sean I see a fucking audience. dog, I will drop kick a dog. <laughs> I'm Ashley Whitehurst, and I've been performing and directing and teaching and producing improv and sketch comedy for almost 15 years. I think poop jokes are funny. I'm Felicia McLeod, an improviser, writer, voiceover actress, and just started reading tarot cards. Hit your girl up. Hi, my name is Steve Hahn. I'm an improviser, on-camera actor, and director, and my estranged father has tried to connect with me on LinkedIn before. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to Comedy Has an Ouchie, a podcast about the journey that comedy is on. We're going to talk about where comedy was, where it is now, and where it's headed in a post-COVID-19 world. But mostly, what we're going to talk about is our big comedy and acting institutions reckoning with their failure to adequately deal with systemic racism, transphobia, homophobia, misogyny, ableism. You know, if you're not a cishet white dude, you got to deal with a lot and work hard-isms. My name is Ashley Whitehurst, and every week I am joined by Steve Hahn and Felicia McLeod, two of the most tremendously talented and introspective people I know. And each week we're going to do a deep dive on some of these issues. And we're going to talk about how we can push these conversations forward and really own what's happened in the past and how we can improve it going forward. We're just hoping at the end of all this, we can encourage some real productive change. Felicia, Steve, anything to add to my research paper thesis? No, that was great. Yeah, it was really good. We just hope we can give hope and help heal pain, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. This is part comedy podcast and part therapy. So let's do it. We have a lot to talk about and unpack over our season. But I think we should start with why did each of us feel the need and the pool to do this podcast and talk about this stuff now? For me, I feel like all of our (laughs) lives like drastically changed and we just we went from performing consistently, constantly to not performing at all. Um, So just to fill that void of performing and having something creative to do and also to have these hard discussions about problems that are in these institutions that need to be dug up and taken care of. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Oh, yes, and that, which honestly, (laughs) including my history of improv is a first for me. (laughs) I'm a historic lover of the no but. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think everything obviously changed a lot. And I don't know, I think like the absence of institutional comedy allowed everyone to reflect and understand, you know, things aren't as rosy as I guess, you know, everyone was expecting it to be. And I don't know, I think it's really sad, but good, I guess, that other things are coming to light. My hopes are to help provide just yet another platform or vehicle for more of these types of stories to, I guess, you know, come forward so that people can, you know, 
feel more safe or brave to be able to talk about their lived experiences and talk about how we can dismantle them. But yeah, I guess that's that's my POV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember being in the thick of improv and comedy, you know, you're going from rehearsal to writing group to performing and thinking, I don't know what life is without this. And we're, we got a crash course in that this year. And I think it has allowed everyone to step back and really kind of take inventory of what is important. And for me, and we've talked about this, I love this art form. I love the community. I love the people you meet. I love the philosophy you all share. And that is why it's worth having these conversations so that we can move forward and still have all that. But like maybe it's so much better and so much healthier. And it includes so many more people and so many more diverse backgrounds and and lived experiences. So it's good to critique something you love. It's a super important thing to do. And I think for so long, we've let the institutions tell us how it's going to be and that's that's no more y'all <laughs> yeah and 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 we shouldn't idolize anything you shouldn't idolize politicians you shouldn't idolize institutions don't idolize aoc I, every time i see someone idolizing aoc i'm like you gotta you can love her and appreciate her and play among us with her but also if she makes a mistake politically you've got mm-hmm. to hold her accountable for that too yeah. you know so. we should normalize people making mistakes and moving forward from that I've never made a mistake in my life, but I look forward to making my first one. And I look forward to entering... We'll call you uh, out. (laughs) I look forward to making a mistake in a world that's more accepting of mistakes. Mm, That's why I idolize you. I'm afraid afraid to make mistakes right now. I'll I'll admit it. I'm doing it out of fear, not out of natural talent. (laughs) (laughs) I consistently make mistakes, and I stand by them. You gotta own them. No, you don't. I've never never seen you make a mistake. Oh, I thought you were saying no, you don't to the second part of her statement. <laughs> no, no, you, <laughs> you never do own not, them. <laughs> you never own them, Felicia. You make mistakes constantly. <laughs> yeah, that's so spot on. And just, just for the listeners, we called Felicia out because she is a part of a new collective that just started. It just sounds like a bunch of artists who have come together and been like, we're going to do this better and we're going to mm-hmm. be more inclusive. Um, you guys had a mission statement, which I haven't seen by any comedy theater ever <laughs> that isn't some like bogus thing that they did as a response to something that happened right mm-hmm. um so so sorry felicia i'll let you explain it i was just so excited to get that email <laughs> <laughs> no it's awesome because it's it's lantern comedy collective and it's a group of individuals who are coming together who we've been meeting for a few months now discussing things that we liked about these institutions, things that we didn't like, things that we overlooked because we had a privilege to overlook those things and making sure that we're holding ourselves accountable. And we're not just saying we want to have a safe and diverse place because that's the cute thing to say to actually do the work to make sure we're mm. holding ourselves accountable. Yeah. So it's been really like great to see people be really excited to do the work, even though it's hard. Yeah. And I, I got to say, that's a dope name. I saw that. It was like mm-hmm. clearly sent a message of like, we're just trying to be a light in a kind of a dark place right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, props to you. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And that sort of segues really nicely into our, our first segment. Level two improv, aka what's really going on here? Where we go deep, not wide, on a specific issue or issues in comedy or at the specific theaters or whatever's happening in our world right now. 
Just a note that some of what we might talk about may be difficult to listen to. So take care of yourself and skip ahead if you need. What I think is what happened to all of us is we found Chicago as the, the comedy mecca, right? You move here and then you sort of tether yourself to these institutions. I think that's being flipped on its head right now. But I want to talk about for the three of us, what attracted you to Chicago? And when you landed at a specific theater, you found your home, which I think most of us do. We find a place we're most comfortable in. I'm using air quotes comfortable because we've never been very comfortable. Obviously, this is why we're talking about this. My butthole has been clenched for three years. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, you can unclench now. You're in a safe space. (laughs) It's stuck now. (laughs) It just normalized being clenched. So it's just going to constantly be clenched. (laughs) Hashtag normalized clenched buttholes. Great. Uh, Yeah. So for the two of you, what specifically brought you to Chicago and where did you find your home and maybe maybe share in what ways you felt like you tethered your own success to some of these institutions here. Well, I originally came from Wisconsin and I went to this place called John Robert Powers. Uh, it's a place where they're like, we'll make your kid a Disney star. So I was ready to be a Disney princess. Um, oh my then- God, I wish you... <laughs> It's not too late. It's not too late. Not too late. It's oh my so God. not too late. Oh my God. I don't know. I would I'm pay like... a lot of money to see this. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, listeners, please um, get me retweeted to be a Disney princess. I'm ready. Um, I'm ready for it. She's in, her, she's in a full ball, ball gown right now. She looks beautiful. <laughs> you guys there's told me like, to wear gloves. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a sassy rat on her uh, on, on like sewing her dress in the back. I see it making it's making a train. Yeah, there's a bunch it's of sassy be- rats and birds <laughs> making her train. Birds made me breakfast today, and it was <sighs> delicious. Was it gluten free yeah. at least? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, but I was like, that's fine. I'll just let my body uh, tear through that. So I had a teacher who was there and he told me to go to Second City. And that's the first time I had heard of it. And then I came to Chicago to go to Second City and then uh, start performing at IO. And then I think my true home is like annoyance where I feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I really tethered my success to Second City and IO to be like, I hope they like me because then I can actually be somebody when it's like, no, I was somebody and they were lucky to have all of yes. the kind of talents that come through there. Yeah. I have a question. How old were you when you first heard of Second City? I was, when did I go through? I was 17. Girl, same. I, I did not mm-hmm. hear of Second City until I was like 18. I didn't know that there were classes. I just had never heard of the institution. I, I just went to see a show with my dorm, so I had never even heard of it. But there's so many people who go through these institutions who are like, my family's talked about this. My parents have mm-hmm. talked to me about Second City since I was a kid. I've, I've been knowing I wanted to come here since I was a kid. And for a lot of us, um, you know, performers of color, at least, I, I we had never heard of it. So I never thought even like that was a possibility for me. When it mm. came through, about like comedy my parents paid attention to like um there's this jamaican comedian named oliver or like tyler perry like that's comedy Mm -hmm. to them so when i said i was going to second city they were like will you get a degree (laughs) and we all know that's not where you get a degree i i mean still learned to felicia i'd never heard of second city so i came to chicago for college i went to the university of chicago i graduated with a ba in biology and i just happened to take a second city class my senior spring out of like I just needed a class and then I started doing second city classes afterwards because my teacher, um, shout out to Julie Nichols and Matthew Van Colton, um, recommended that I continue taking classes and, um, 
yeah, they just recommended I continue. And after uh, some classes, I had some teachers who introduced me to some other people. And then they had me audition for Bob Curry, which I'm sure we'll talk about on this podcast. Um, Felicia and I are both alum. Um, but we, I ended up auditioning for Bob Curry right out of level E. So I had been doing comedy for like five months and I was severely underqualified. Um, but I disagree. Uh, uh, girl, you should have seen some of the improv I did, but I will say, you know, Second City was the first place that gave me, you know, like, um, any kind of a chance, I'm going to say. Um, so I, I have sort of complex feelings about Second City, but you know, ultimately I, talk about them in this way because I hope that they're open for change and I also I moved so my perspective on Second City is just different now but um Steve wants everybody to know he's in LA with the sunshine mm. while you sit I am in LA it's so sunny outside oh. it's, 70 de- it's 70 degrees today. oh my god <laughs> I have my window open for a hot 42 <laughs> yeah that's blistering and for, for fall in Chicago that's blistering truly in shorts <laughs> currently all Oh, my God. <laughs> for me, I'd heard of Second City. It was not until college for me. Um, I was actually getting ready to graduate or I was a junior. Or I don't remember. What Where'd it was. you go? I went to a tiny liberal arts school in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to Liberty, which is where the Falwells are. I went to the school. Wait, isn't Liberty the crazy um, conservative Very, school? Yes, that's right. We were we were not that. Um But it does have that fun commercial. It's like, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Sorry. That's insurance. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, Felicia, I'm like not, I'm like not really from America, but I don't think that's the school. Oh my God, you thought you were getting Liberty University commercials up here this entire time? (laughs) Wow. You learn something new every day, and that is why I have growth. Yeah. (laughs) And that brings us to our first sponsor, Liberty Mutual. Um, (laughs) Do you need insurance? So do the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Please share. Please share it with us. Uh, Yeah, it was a tiny school called Lynchburg College, liberal arts school. Um, I was trying to figure out what to do after school. I had an English degree. I didn't want to teach, you know, blah, blah, blah. I started uh, looking around... SNL has always been very attractive to me, obviously. I think it's for for a lot of us. And I started just to research some of the people who were on it and found, oh, people went to Groundlings and went to Second City and all that stuff. So that that sort of got in my brain. Did some stuff at DC Improv in DC, obviously, uh, and WIT, Washington Improv Theater in DC, and then decided to move to Chicago to Second City, essentially, because that's, that's sort of like that mecca uh, in your brain. And I remember having that feeling and still having that feeling of, and, and all of us, I think, share this, this sort of same thing where you, we know people who are, who have made it, who have, who are on SNL, who have gotten to a TV show. So for me, I always had that in the back of my brain. I'm just like, I'm just one audition away from that. Like it is so attainable. And so I think it keeps you coming back and keeps you in that building and keeps you putting up with a lot of stuff because that, quote unquote success is right around the corner. It's right there. You are one person removed from, you know, whatever, XYZ. I think that like feeling and sentiment really kept me in the building. That's where I sort of found most of my that was my home. I did IO obviously. Couldn't get on a fucking Herald team. Jesus, mother of God. Fucking Herald teams. <laughs> um listen, Herald teams are are done. <laughs> so. <laughs> They're done. They're done. 
Um, but I love I love mine still. I shout out shout out to Mothership. I, love I wanted that so badly. Like, and I know I'm not like in. I I know tons of people probably share this, but it was just like if I can just get on a Herald team, I think everything will happen you know what i mean See, that's that whole like pedestal thing yep. that i just like i hate so much because there's so many talented people who would not yeah. be on a herald team and feel so down about themselves and i was like do you know that you don't need this yeah it just really but that's the weird relationship that in that building for sure where it's like oh herald team i'm in front of you know xyz it just, and- it's putting your i mean i'm so guilty of this too I and mean, felicia's had to talk to me about when i was on the herald team and i was like i mean am i even good i mean I, the mm. answer's still no the answer's still no but like you know for a while it's like is you know it, it you pile a lot of your self-worth to these institutions yeah. You're, you don't and the issue with the arts i mean this isn't unique to comedy and i hope that that's a through line for our all of our conversations is that the stuff that we're doing is not unique to improv or comedy this is like a conversation that we need to be having on a macro level but you know a lot of artists especially when they come up through chicago i think chicago is a mecca for comedy for a lot of really great reasons i think it's a really great place to create i think the annoyance is a really great example of what it looks like when you just have like unfettered unfiltered chance for people to grow like not every show i mean a lot of shows i've seen a lot of really bad shows at the annoyance but like you have to be allowed to be bad because you if you're immediately good you're you're, why are you here you know what i mean so you should be allowed to be bad and i think the annoyance fosters a lot of really great content because a lot of people have worked through xyz whatever but the issue with a lot of artists and coming to chicago is that they um, and again, I'm fully guilty of this. So I say this as like someone that for sure used to internalize this way heavily and I'm still unlearning, but you know, you, you aren't taught how to create your own internalized metrics of success. So you latch onto the closest thing. Um, it feels like, uh, I know, uh, JK Rowling is canceled, but Harry Potter still has a really soft spot on my heart, but it feels like, how she describes like Voldemort like latching onto Harry as like the closest living thing in the room. It feels like that where it's like all of these like mangled souls come to Chicago to like find community <laughs> and they latch themselves onto these institutions. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, it is crazy because, you know, like for example, like Second City is an equity theater. A lot of these theaters are equity theaters, which means that they have to have open auditions. IO is not a, an equity theater, but they still had like these open auditions and that open audition mentality is good because it allows people to work and hone their craft and work towards something. But I think that these open concepts have to have a level of transparency to them to really be effective because like, you know, when you audition for a second city generals, you don't know exactly what they're looking for. The conversation is behind closed doors and it's really challenging to know what it is that they're looking for in the same way. You know, I mean, that's true for Broadway. That's true for West end. You know, it's not like unique to Chicago, but I think like the thing about Chicago is that, that, like you said, Ashley, that, that gap between like, first moving here and making it is quite uh short like when you when you go to broadway for example like if you just if you try to like join broadway as like what like i don't know what they're called ensemble members like when you join them like you're not like anywhere near like philip sue on you know hamilton or idina menzel you know that there's like steps that you have to take whereas with comedy you see these like stories of like well this person just did this and then like boom they were there you know so it's so attainable it's a it's a carrot that you you are chasing and you get to touch every now and then just by getting these moments of success. And it's not the type of carrot that I want to touch. No. <laughs> Hashtag no, clench you. butthole. <laughs> Hashtag please. <laughs> well, we're going to, uh, in one of the episodes coming up, we're going to talk all about auditions and the inherent failures there and, and the problematic structures of, of auditions. So, yeah, Steve, I just want to shout that out for sure because it's... 
you you touch on something that has a lot to do with a lot of these institutions and they're it's these rules that exist. They're not written down. They just exist. You figure them out. And then you see that the rules aren't applied every single time to every single person. And so it starts mm-hmm. to create this really weird inequity and this really weird frustration within yourself because you you are literally trying to follow the rules you think are supposed to grant you the, you know, insert your level of success parameter here. But then the rule is broken and you see the the white guy who throws you under the bus in the general audition get the spot on Torco or get get something else and and it doesn't make sense so there's a level of gaslighting that happens and it i got to a point a few years ago where i was like they need to be teaching like therapy in conjunction with conservatory or or improv classes because it really can mess you up and it can really send you into a really bad place um and it, it's happened to so many people we know, right? And I've struggled with it where you're just like, again, I've tethered my success to this thing and this rule and this this guidebook that exists, but it's not working. Therefore, I am a failure. I am not funny. I am not worth anything. So why am I doing this? And then you show up the next day because there's just, there's that carrot you get to almost touch, you know? And that brings us to our second sponsor, Talkspace. Talkspace <laughs> is a really great <laughs> JK. Liberty, hey, liberty, liberty. Um, yeah, they, uh, no, I, I never agree. I have a question for both of you. Are either of you yeah. good at auditioning? Do you think, I mean, obviously like we'll be more critical of ourselves than we really should be, but are, have either of you been told that you are good at auditioning or think that you are? Yikes. Absolutely not. No. Oof. Okay, I've seen both of you audition before, and you are both good. I went to an audition, and I messed up and looked at them with fear in my eyes and said, can I restart? <laughs> and they looked at me in my eye and said, finish where you were. <gasps> and I don't remember, shit. and I blacked out. It was for uh, one of like the Chicago PD or Chicago Fire, one of those things. <gasps> blacked oh out. God. Girl. I, I don't even know how I got home. I don't know how I got home. Yeah, but I know I'm alive because I'm here now. And that's it. Um, were you ever? You might have been in the show. You just blacked out the entire time. You were you were hired. Oh my were, god! We, we have to go watch all of Chicago PD to find you. You're in the Dick Wolf universe. Oh, listen, I will say though, those Dick Wolf shows, while they're so bad, the sets are very nice. I, and employed so many of our friends here, right? Truly, <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you. Honestly, thank you, Chicago Med. They're still. I'm still getting residuals from them. From really. Playing a, uh, from playing a dumb med student, Jacob Huang. I played oh a dumb God. med student for a bit. For like, I, I filmed for like a few weeks, I think. And I played a dumb med student, and I'm that's still awesome. Residuals. Bless up. <laughs> that is awesome. And I think Ashley, you are a good audition. I've auditioned with you for generals before, actually. Oh, um, that's right. I remember that one. You were great. Yes. And then you walked out and you were like, I sucked. And then I emailed you later. I was like, you were great. You're like, I sucked. <laughs> I did suck. And I mean, you know. You were great. We live and we learn and auditioning is a, a skill to, oh, to you 100%. Know, be good at it. Also, yeah. also a form of gatekeeping, which is something that we've, we will definitely talk about and like, and, and kind of unpack be, because all of this is so connected, right? But when, when we're talking specifically about be feeling tethered to these institutions and being connected and doing these generals and having that that like wall between you and success Mm. yeah i it's just another form of gatekeeping and and what it has inherently done is kept out people who aren't white right um or hetero etc etc um and it's it's why like you see the same type of people getting cast and you tell yourself that's the rule. That's what, that's what second city or IO is looking for. They're looking for that type. 
Well, that's bullshit, right? Who made those rules? Who said that that was the type? Who said like the slovenly guy, white guy on stage is is a type? That's so unfair. And so- Charlotte Halpern's dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen them go up on a white person's stage. Oh, it's, it's always gotta be. It's always gotta be a woman or a person of color. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. That kind of brings me to this thought. This sentiment we we talked about initially when we were putting this together and Steve, I think you said it. You internalize that your suffering is the price that you pay mm. to be here. Oh yeah. 100%. And I wanted to talk about that. Like, is it worth it? Is it ever worth it? Was it worth it? Um, there's, there's good, you know, trials and tribulations, but I think in this way we're talking about really agonizing mental distress, sometimes physical distress, right? We told ourselves and, and probably still tell ourselves a little bit, it's just the price you pay mm-hmm. to have access to this. You think it's your tax that you pay. I yeah. Mean, here's, here's the thing I will say that's pretty magical, but also sometimes feels weird, is that there is a solid contingency of Chicago comedians of color that just, like, are there for each other. Like, I will say the majority of the people that I'm close with that are... Chicago comedians are all people I met through the Chicago diverse comedy community. Um, that's how Felicia and I met is through, I don't remember exactly how we met Felicia, but it was probably something to do with like Bob Curry audition. I think so. Season, yeah. Something like that. You know, and I just have this, like, I, I would say I'm relatively, I'm still relatively new to the Chicago comedy community. I just happen to, you Welcome. know, when I, when I, thank you. When I got into, <laughs> when I got to Bob Curry, for example, I, I was for sure the rando that no one knew, you know, everyone you else were- like, you had just started coach ensembles, remember? Yes, I just started coach ensembles. Yeah. I got Bob Curry at the same time, which Heck yeah. I mean, not like not to toot my own horn, but one of those usually comes before the other. You, know? you can toot. So, you you can toot. Flip. Yeah, <laughs> Bob Curry and then coach ensembles. That's usually yes, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was just like this new person, this new kid, and everyone in the not everyone, I will not say everyone, but a lot of people in the comedy community that were diverse were really welcoming and warm, and I still consider them some of my closest friends to this day. So. There's this, like, unspoken community of diverse comedians that, like, just all know each other. And, you know, all the, all the white people I know in comedy, I know, uh, you know, from a Herald team or Second City or things like that. But it is nice that there's just this, like, really solid community. Um, so I think, like, the, the good that comes from the, this price that you internalize is that you make really strong bonds and mm-hmm. camaraderie, is that how you say it? With diverse comedians and other, like, fellow marginalized artists. But obviously the con of that is is that, you know, you're being kept out of institutions. And even like, you know, I'm in Star Friday Night and Felicia's in um, in Matt Damon Improv. And, you know, in both of these groups, they're specifically for like a specific marginalized group. It is interesting, actually. And I, I, I'm saying this out loud for the first time, but um, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm totally open to being told that this is wrong. But there is, I think, a, a rhetoric in which people talk in Star Friday Night, for example, about like people who get... Second City stuff of like, oh, you got that, so you're gonna leave this. Like, oh, you got, you got, you got put on a Herald team, so you're gonna leave this, or you got put, or not leave this, but like, you're like, there's this other thing that you're doing. It's now. like them so, against us, yeah. Yeah, and it feels weird because you know, like, I do work for Second City and like as an actor and a faculty member, and um, when I was getting these things initially, like a lot of my friends in Star Friday Night, not a lot, but like you know, the ones I was close to were like, oh, well, you know, that's cool that Steve got this thing, and now it's like he's going to be busy doing that, which like, I mean, purely from a time perspective, yes, it's true. You can't 
spend your time doing everything that you used to. But there is this weird, like, internalized rhetoric, I think, with marginalized groups and, like, these institutions of, like, well, if you're going to go to that side, then, like, you're going to value us less or whatever. It's because we weren't having those healthy conversations about, like, these institutions not supporting us. Mm -hmm. Um, But also it's, like, just because a friend gets an opportunity at these institutions doesn't mean we're turning away from you as being a group or like I hold that on a pedestal. It's just like, I want to get my bag and I want to be with people I am comfortable with and have a good time with. Right. Um, you perform way differently for a second city type show than you do your friends, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to do. Oh my God. A hundred percent. It feels like almost you get are free, you know? Yeah. Um, but you're right. Right. Like, yeah, get paid. But then also like, be true to yourself and do do the thing that makes you happiest. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts about is the suffering going forward ever going to be worth it? Or is it a hard stop? See you later. <gasps> no, I, I don't think ever. it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Not in any type of job. I think especially like people in the older generation who were like women or people of color who went through the suffering and then believed that thought of like, you have to suffer to be successful so they wouldn't Mm. give any leeway when it comes to like helping other people when it's like if we just didn't have suffering think about what could have been created that would be so great yeah Yeah. or like if you were truly in a safe space what could have been created and like we could be so much further than we are now in all aspects of life and it's like i think people equate suffering with hard work and it's not those Those are not different things yeah those are very different things but people are like well you know you gotta you just gotta put your head down and work hard and it's like that's i will i am a really hard worker i don't want to suffer while i'm hard working i would rather find enjoyment and fulfillment in my hard Mm -hmm. work why am i equating you know unhappiness with hard work you should enjoy your craft yeah Mm -hmm. i i think you, you're both saying like the best things because it is also happening on a macro level where the generation before us is just like, you know, this is what we had to do, you know, work hard. And it's a conversation that's happening with student loan forgiveness right now. Right. Well, I paid my student loans off. Why don't why why should you get a, a free ride or whatever? It's just like, oh, my God, like wh- what? Is it okay if people get a little bit of help every now and then? And also the times were completely different when you were going through school and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies with comedy, right? Yeah. No, I was say, if, you know, if it's, you know, it's like, like people like Sharna at IO, it's like, you know, there's this like huge mentality of like, well, you gotta, you gotta suffer, right? It's like this huge internalized thing. And it's like, okay, just because your like best friend died of like mustard gas in the battle of Gettysburg doesn't mean that like I have to, <laughs> Like, I don't know what this whack mentality from the 1800s is, you know? Like, I, I also want to call out who is being asked to suffer the most. Mm-hmm. We're asking a very specific person to suffer. The rules dictate that that is how you get success. And it's never the white dude, right? Uh, and I'm being very generalizing here, but... That's in, so true. They're suffering now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about time. We're talking about who we're asking to suffer. We're going to get into that in episodes because that is the crux of the the big failures of what's happened um, Mm -hmm. and what we've dealt with with this fallout. COVID happening and then the huge reckoning that all of these theaters are having to have. So we'll definitely get into all of that. Um, We don't have to suffer because we can have these conversations and we can all still create really amazing things without all these obstacles in our way um, and and people kind of guarding what is good and what is not. I want to move on to our next segment, which we have lovingly called The Shit Jar. 
Okay, great. This is our gossip slash restorative justice slash coping mechanism part of the show. We're going to share a story about something bad or funny, terrible that's happened to one of us and then fix it the best way we know how in any way we damn well choose. So Steve and Felicia, I'm putting you on the spot. Is there anything egregious that has happened that you want to shit about right now? <laughs> um, there was one time, you know how, I think it was a level... C maybe, but you know how teachers will write down like this person has black hair, this person has blue eyes. Oh my! Um, next to my name was Black Chick, <laughs> which scientifically is correct. <laughs> we love science. I love science. Shout I out to the scientists. <laughs> <laughs> but morally, huh? Uh. He could have just left mine blank and then just knew. You know what I mean? Like, just knew, like, Felicia, that's who she is. I mean, that is so frustrating because the literal, the reason for, like, say your name and a fun fact or, like, what you do is for the teacher to be able to write down something that correlates with your name. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. like, the the easiest exercise in the world. Hi, I'm Ashley. My favorite color is orange. Great. I'm going to put orange by her name. Like, (laughs) that is so unnecessary. And he probably didn't do it. It was a man, um, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, great. Absolutely, it was. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, you probably didn't do that for anybody else. How did you find it? How did, did, were you just looking at his attendance sheet or something? Or Yeah, I was on the desk. And then um, <sighs> one of my friends in the class was like, what? And then I looked at it and I said, what? And then we never talked about it again. <laughs> Until today. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> okay. So so if it was now, it, like this moment has happened, COVID, racial reckoning, 2020, uh, and this happened to you now, what might have you done differently if you saw that? <laughs> Felicia today that has not unlearned everything would have not said anything still. Um <laughs> but the Felicia that I should be would be like do you understand why this is wrong? Do you understand why you didn't have to write this? Or you could just put r- braids, glasses. I was only one in there gl- with glasses. <laughs> Or like something that you did in a scene when I'm teaching. Sometimes you'll write, oh, uh, initiated something or did this really funny scene or this really funny character. Yeah. Yeah. Literally anything else but black chick. Unreal. Wow. Wow. That's... Um... <laughs> Steve. Steve's recovering. Damn, these teachers. Listen, these teachers, some of these teachers that these institutions hire are are whack. <laughs> We're AF. definitely going to get into all that. <laughs> My uh, my story is I was in IO level four. Yeah, I went through IO in 2018, 2019, so more recently. But I uh, was in level four, and this student came up and started a scene with me by... He's white and older, and he started a scene by putting on an Asian accent and saying um, Kung Pao chicken, beef, and broccoli. That's all he said. And I stopped my object work, and I was like, I'm not doing the scene. I looked at the teacher first, and I looked back at him, and I looked at the teacher, and I was like, I'm not, the teacher didn't do anything, and I was like, I'm not doing the scene, and then the teacher had to be like, thank you, yeah, that scene was inappropriate, and I was like, yeah, that's not my job to stop this, and also no one ended up telling that student why that was bad. I'm so sorry. Uh, that is okay. awful. I mean, I will say this, it, at least at IO, I'm going to make this blanket statement, but I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I was the only Asian student in my class for almost every single class except for my 5B. Oh, and maybe level five. There was one other Asian student. But yeah, I mean, generally. You guys are best friends, right? 
We know each other, actually. We're siblings. We're siblings. We're brother and sister. We even, though we don't have the same, even though we don't have the same last name and we don't, we are not the same nationality. We are no, siblings. No, 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 no. But you guys, you guys are super tight. Like, you came here together. You moved to Chicago Do I know together. them? I do you know them. them. We you live together. I think bunk beds. She's my best friend just by chance. Isn't that crazy? Every Asian person knows each other. Good. That absolutely Good. drives me up the wall because it's like, first and foremost, the teacher should be there to be like, no. Mm-hmm. And this is why we're going to have an uncomfortable conversation. <clears throat> yeah, I think for for one of my stories, it, it's always been something very like sexual or veiled, like misogyny. Um, my favorite type of improviser, and now that I'm, you know, been doing this 15 years, uh, I'm very comfortable with these types of improviser. My favorite type is the divorced dad who takes a class and works out his issues on stage with whatever woman is on doing the scene with. So there have been multiple times, especially going through level ones of, you know, Iowa conservatory where, you know, you would just outright be called a bitch in the scene. And so you're being taught to yes and stuff. You don't quite understand the nuance quite yet, you know? And so you're just like, yeah, yes, I am a bitch. You know, it's it's very weird. And that's happened. That would happen to, to me and other women in my class. And the teachers wouldn't do anything. It would just, especially with level one, right? That's coddle, coddle central, right? We're just going to be like, mm. yeah, it, hey, at least you're here, right, guy? So, yeah, that definitely it keeps you on your heels because then, like, he goes out again or that type of person goes out again. You're not going to go out, but, like, you haven't been out in a few scenes, but now there's the possibility you have to go out with somebody who makes you feel super unsafe in a scene. And so, mm-hmm. just garbage all around. And then if teachers do call that out, then especially if they're not a white man, they're labeled as difficult or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, the amount of times that I've been called into spaces by my managers or superiors because a student has complained about me for um, calling them out or being told that I'm too PC by them and them creating a plot to try to get me fired with other students. Um yeah, that's happened to me many times. And um, it's ridiculous that because I'm the first queer and or Asian teacher or teacher of color, even that they've had that the onus of correcting bad habits like that are on me. Um, and then I'm labeled Oof. as a villain because of it is exhausting. Um, but yeah, there's just I mean, I'm hoping that things change now. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't believe around this time. It's been a little over a year now, but I have had two instances where a student has tried to get me fired by Second City because they did not like how I handled their problematic behavior. <laughs> They're supposed to let me just do it. <laughs> they're supposed to they're supposed I paid to $350 let me for this. yeah the, i paid $350 for eight weeks for this this kid from up to tell me that i can't uh, i can't put on a, a black scent you're like i did a good job i've watched soul plane yeah like fuck you <laughs> they're like i've seen they're like i've seen i've seen girls trip i know what i know what black women find fun and how dare you call me a racist i do not see color get out of here yeah they're like i don't see race or color senorita lopez i'm like oh my god (laughs) okay i guess good for you is this a level of actualization that i'm never gonna get to maybe i think what ashley what you said up top on how it needs to be therapy and improv there i agree yeah it needs to be uh, just like all around and that's why this is our this is our third sponsor headspace headspace <laughs> great app where we have 24 7 therapists ready for you to talk to at any mm. time and you're on un- the unlimited messages that you can send them with a turnaround rate of 48 hours or less headspace <laughs> or, use the code use the less. code ouchie 
Headspace, headspace.com backslash ouchie for 15% off for your first month with Headspace. <laughs> but ouchie is not spelled ouchie wise. It's spelled ouchie. Figure it out. <laughs> Figure it out. That's your first task. <laughs> In each of these cases, do you remember the bit that you were doing when this happened that you would like to finish here? Perhaps I'm, I'm giving you the stage and the option to finish the scene or the bit that may have been interrupted by someone's asinine behavior. If you remember. Oh. Oh my God. Improv. <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as it happened during introductions, I probably would have been able to be like, hi, my name's Felicia and I'm from Wisconsin. And then for them to write down Wisconsin. <laughs> Like, and I'm a white, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white chick. I'm a white chick. <laughs> you ever seen that movie, White Chicks? <laughs> That's me. Oh my god, I thought that movie was so funny as a kid. I really did, and then I recently rewatched it with oh, Jordan. No. Oh my god, it has not aged well at all. <laughs> it's so bad. They literally had Busy Phillips saying the N word, like screaming it. She said it in that movie. She screams it in the movie. She's like singing it, and like the two white chicks are like, "It's okay." I. I'm so cautious of rewatching shows because I don't have time to uh, have any type of traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, did you say I don't have time to have traumatic experiences? I love that. That is like that is 2021's motto. It's just like, you know, I would put myself through this horrible experience, but I really don't have the time for trauma what right a now. Crazy. What a, I know time is a construct, but what a crazy year. <laughs> What? Where are we even? <laughs> I have no Who idea. Who are we now? What are we? <laughs> um, what was the bit that I was doing? I don't know. I'm like so bad at object work. My old object work that I used to always start with was me milking a cow. And I realized that it really limited my scene. <laughs> like I would just start. <laughs> no one taught me how to do object work really. Because like Susan Messing was... Uh, teaching mm-hmm. my class and then like her husband got sick so she left um so we like missed the week that we i, I think we were supposed to do object work or something like not anyone's fault and so my object work is like really stunted now i think so i'm gonna just... say milking a cow is really fun and you, you can there's a million things to do with milking a cow mm-hmm. thank you thank you um it is my go-to well, I think you both did very well in your your redos of this uh, situation. Uh, Thank you so much. Woman from Wisconsin and mm, cow milker man. <laughs> <laughs> that sparred the other character to say Kung Pao chicken somehow. It makes he thought, sense. He, he, he thought I was getting the food. I was making it. And he was telling me what he wanted to what he wanted. Yes. In that Asian night. cuisine comes from cows. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Just famously, famously. Lacto- <laughs> lactose tolerant people. We are a lactose. They had to find a use for the cows somehow, so they just decided yeah, to turn it. We love we love cows and we hate capitalism. We are a proud people. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like Asians. utopia, actually. <laughs> yeah, no capitalism, only cows. Guys, we gotta wrap this up. It's time for the improv edit. We'll talk about something that we talked about today and say whether we'd sweep edit the problems discussed, tag it out, or call lights altogether. I haven't improvised in a long time, so I'm kind of forgetting <laughs> what each of these are. If you guys want to help me out, tagging out. Felicia, I'm going to hand it to you. <laughs> Perfect. So what I remember from tagging out is if there are <laughs> people on stage, oh, you uh, tag out one person and then you... Um, can either come in as a new character or take on that character that they were playing. Beautiful. Wonderful. Oh, my God. It's coming back to me. What about sweep editing, Steve? What the heck is that? 
<laughs> a sweep edit is when the a scene has hit a uh, a heightened emotional moment and or the button of a joke, and then in those moments are the best times to sweep a scene in which a middle aged man <laughs> in plaid uh, sprints <laughs> as fast as he can, uh, Naruto style, across the scene, trips <laughs> on the end, but the 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 gusto in which uh, Brad ran across the scene indicates that that scene is now over, okay. and now his buddies Charles and Dave David can uh, step forward and initiate a new scene based on the original suggestion. Oh, Hilarious. so beautifully described. Perfect. One of my uh, pet peeves are sweep at it, so uh, that's just me being a comedy snob. But that was that was wonderfully described. Uh, you forgot to mention that the the guy in plaid has his wallet and his phone in his front pockets, mm. and probably square shaped in his butt pocket. Um, and he's laughing and shaking his head like. I hate this. I yeah. hate this so much. It's all I have. <laughs> and he's looking, all I have. And he's and he's looking at his buddies next to him on the sidelines, being like, "That was that was a good edit, right?" That was pretty good. That was good. That was good. I heard there was an agent in the audience tonight. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my god. They're like, oh my god, Dick Wolf is here. <laughs> they're casting. They're casting for Chicago Med PD and Fire. Right. It's either that gal from Wisconsin who blacked out during her audition. It's going to be somebody here on stage tonight. <laughs> uh, and I saved the easiest one for me. Um, to call lights on a scene is uh, when the the heightening is no more. We've we've hit the the farthest we can go, or we've just run out of time, or something terrible happened on stage. You call lights. It's a it's a it's a skill you need to learn to comfortably be able to call lights. It's not something you can just walk into an improv institution and learn or or know. So it's one of my favorite edits. All right, so. Of all the stuff we've talked about today, whether it's the terrible audition situations, uh, the terrible thing that happened to us in a class, the tethering of our success as an institution, pick one of those and uh, do some sort of improv edit that you choose. Call lights on every single one. No, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think for auditioning, I would tag it out. Ooh. I would tag it out. Yeah. I think auditioning is important. I think auditioning is good. I think it's a skill. And I just think that there needs to be a new structure in which we um, provide transparency so that it's clear what the qualifications that they're looking for are. You know, so there's no more of that, like, oh, once you stop wanting them, they want you. Like, that kind of rhetoric of, like, unspoken rules and whatnot goes away. And it's just clear, like, oh, if you don't, if you do a good scene, you do a good scene and then you'll get rewarded. If you do a bad scene, then it's okay. Try again next time rather than, like, I don't know what they're looking for this year you know mm. so um i would tag it out with just better rules but the but the idea of an audition i think um is good like i think auditions are important and necessary for the arts because you know how else like are you gonna have an objective way to evaluate someone's uh goodness skill mm. skill is what i'm looking for skill goodness so tag it up. Yeah, <laughs> i'm goodness. gonna piggyback on that and um for auditions say sweep edit so we can sweep up all the bullshit and all of the the bad stuff and bring in the new. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I think I'm going to call lights on the sentiment that we need to suffer for our art and suffer mm. in a in a really detrimental way. I think agony and trials and tribulations are important to creating really great art. I don't think suffering, having mental distress, physical distress, any sort of emotional distress uh, caused is is conducive and productive anymore. We're going to, man, we're going to, I can't wait to see what happens and what's created after all this is done with, with 
hopefully some of these solutions applied. So we got some tag edits and we got some lights uh, and we got a sweep edit. Great. We, we have a complete show, you guys. We have a complete show. <laughs> Oh my god, improv. We did it. We did it. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining. Comedy has an outie. This has been really fun um, talking about all the things wrong with our comedy institutions in Chicago. We'll be back next week with another episode talking about lots of other things. We may get into auditions next week. I don't know. Maybe get into misogyny. Ooh. Racism. Ooh. If you have a story for the shit jar, we would love to hear it. Please email us at comedyhasanouchie at gmail.com. Hey, Stephen Felicia, are there places that people can find you that you that you want people to find you? Maybe a Twitter feed, a Facebook situation, an Instagram. If not, that's totally cool. You can be like me and not have Facebook. <laughs> Congratulations, Thank first of so all, not having Facebook. Um, you can find me on Twitter at phy underscore phy. Um, you can find me. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at at Steyonce Knowles. That's at Steyonce Knowles, like Beyonce Knowles, but with the ST mm. instead of the B. Ooh. You can find me nowhere because I do not wish for you to find. Me. I have, I have, <laughs> I have Twitter, but I don't tweet. I just lurk. Join us next week on Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Um, <laughs> any last words? Thank you so much for listening. Normalized butt punching. <laughs> and we're calling scene and lights on that. This is an area code podcast.